Hey everyone, my name is Fritz Murphy and I am a 6th grade English teacher with James Irwin Charter and I started this podcast because I want to talk about God and suffering. Um, I think it's important that we, I don't know, I just think that God works healing through suffering. I think that he works healing through stories and um, I wanted to start a podcast so we could explore those stories and explore how the church can best serve folks who have undergone difficult difficult circumstances. Um, so on my podcast today, I have Abby Vanderlaan. Um, so say hi, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> um, Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited too. I'm really nervous because I've never done a podcast before. Um, but I'm super honored. I, Abby's a good friend from college and her stories really, um, were something that helped me and helped my faith, uh, during my undergraduate program. So I'm thrilled to have you and thank you for being here. And I'm sorry if I'm super awkward and nervous. I'm just, I think I'm just getting all my nerves out. Anyway, I'm going to pray before we start and then we could jump into our questions. <clears throat> Lord. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you that you love us. Help us to glorify us or help us to glorify you through this. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the first question that I have um, is just tell me a little bit about your story and your background. Um. Yeah. Okay. So my name is Abby, obviously. Um <laughs> When I was 14, my dad was diagnosed with stage four glioblastoma, which is an aggressive type of brain cancer. Mm. And then when I was 16, he passed away. He was a pastor um, at a couple local churches, and he just was the best person I knew. And he really impacted a lot of people's lives. And so mm. um, when he passed, I just felt really lost and alone for a really long time. Yeah. Um, I felt so angry at God, but I wasn't letting myself process my emotions at all. And so for like two years, I basically pretended like I was five and like nothing really mattered. And mm. I just wasn't talking to God. And then when I got to college, that's when I first started to process it because I always pictured my dad, you know, sending me up to college and going to football games with me because he went to Northwestern. Oh. And he was a big Red Raiders fan. And we grew up going to like the football games and basketball games together. And so when I started college without him, I started thinking about it more. And yeah. I just started processing everything more. But then so that was in 2017 when I started college. He passed away in 2015. And mm. then it wasn't until 2019 when I really started, you know, processing it to the best that I could so then I went through a really bad breakup mm. and my this guy was the, the one person I thought I could talk to about my dad and about my faith and about everything like that and yeah. so when we broke up I felt so alone and that's when I decided that I should work at a summer camp yeah because I I didn't want to go back to my hometown and see this guy because I come from a really small hometown, but I didn't yeah, want to go back fair, and see him because <laughs> so, I was like, I'm going to see this kid every single day and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to work at a camp. And the camp that I picked was Chetek Lutheran Ministries. 
And it was the best decision of my mm. life. Um, that's the place where I really started to grow in my faith again, because oh. I was supposed to be this leader for all of these kids. But I felt like a fraud because I had hardly any faith myself. And so oh. going through the Bible studies each day, you know, going through prayer time and worship and all this kind of stuff, I was like, okay, Abby, you need to get yourself together because you can't lie to these kids and all these people about how you truly feel. And yeah. so at night, I would go and sit on our dock and just look at the stars and listen to the water and I would talk to God. Hmm. And this is where... I would mostly yell at God at first because I <laughs> was still, I was still so angry, yeah. you know? And so yeah. I was like, if God did this to my dad, who was the best person I knew, how could he, you know, what else is he going to do like to, to, to me? Mm. And I felt like I couldn't trust God anymore. And I thought that God was this good and all powerful person and who was able to do anything, but he, mm. you know, chose to take my dad away. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't understand that. And I know you can't understand everything God does. Right. But um, I just, again, was so, so angry. But then yeah. um, there was one night that I went out there and I, you know, did my usual yelling. I got and I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, God, I don't know if I can ever trust you like I did. Like we always talk about childlike faith and just that blind yeah. faith. And I didn't have that anymore. And I said, God, mm. I don't know if I'll ever have that. And there was just this like swell of wind. And I heard this voice that was, you know, it could have been just like inside of me, but I swear yeah. I heard it. And yeah. it said, it said, daughter, take your time. Mm. And to me, that was just the most, reassuring thing that anyone could have ever said to me like I still like I have goosebumps right now just talking about it yeah because I, I I I'm so I just I can't even explain what those words meant to me just knowing that God didn't have a timeline for me and he yeah. still was willing to call me daughter even though I kind of rejected and abandoned him yeah and it just it just felt so good to hear those words and so that was really the night where everything kind of not turned around because it doesn't my faith right. doesn't come back in one night like it yeah it took like I'm still even working through things today you know Amen. but that was that was yes. the <laughs> night that you know everything just kind of changed and it allowed me to process better and it allowed me to feel understood hmm. and I just knowing that God knew that I was going to come back to him, even though it, it might take, you know, a while, but, yeah. but anyway, yeah, today, I mean, I still get angry and I still cry and I still scream, but I know God mm. can handle it. And I know God yeah. loves me and he, he's always there for me and I trust him again. And that feels so, so good. Like I felt so lost and alone without even my faith like I felt like I had yeah. nothing but mm. yeah so that I feel like that's kind of my story so yeah at least, you know part of it I can't tell the whole thing we would be <laughs> here for like hours and hours if I yeah told everything but yeah and that is honestly one of my favorite stories that I have ever um heard in my life and 
I think for for those of you who don't who don't know me and don't know, um, about three years ago, my young younger brother was in a car accident that paralyzed him from the waist down, uh, and he just he used to have this terrible nerve pain, and um, he would just curl up and scream, and like there was nothing I could do but just stand there and watch, and that was something that to me just felt needlessly cruel. And I remember I had never, I just thought that there was a chance that God had walked away from me because I was so mad at him. Um, And I remember having a conversation with Abby at discipleship groups where I just said, you know, the pastor at church, he was talking about how, um, he was asking this question about, do you want to go to heaven because, um, because Christ is there? Or, or if Christ wasn't in heaven, would do you would you want to be in heaven? And it's like supposed to be this question about why you're a Christian. Do you want to be a Christian because you love Christ, or do you want to be a Christian because you want to get into heaven? But I was just so angry. I remember just in my heart, I thought, you know, maybe even if Christ was there, maybe I wouldn't want to be there because I'm so mad that he let this happen. And I was just, I was distraught that I that my heart. It just felt like my heart could not, it just felt like my heart could not praise God. It felt like my heart was just too angry to trust in God anymore. Um, And that story was something that I really held on to and still hold on to now, even though um, I think think my experiences were obviously less intense. than yours. And I, I think I have substantially less reason to be mad at God than you, but it was, it was a story that was something that got me through one of the most darkest years of my life. Um, so I appreciate you telling it. And I just, I love hearing it even again. Like it just brings so much, I, it just brings so much peace to my heart. Um, so thank you. Yes, of course. And I, I, I was having a conversation with a friend not too long ago and she asked me she said do you think god ever speaks like audibly to you yeah and i was like i personally yes but also i feel like god speaks through friends and opportunities mm. and i think you know if my story can even affect anybody the slightest bit then i am so happy to share it and like i talk about that you know um later too in the questions um yeah but yeah and i think that, you know, daughter, take your time is just so comforting to me. And I just love knowing that God has always been there and will always be there, even if I can't seem to feel it or see it in like the exact moment. Right. You know? Right. Like our heart's posture doesn't affect God's unchangeable characteristics. Exactly. Um, and he can handle our grief. He can handle our anger. And it's, that is one of the most comforting comforting truths about God is that he does not change no matter where I'm at with him, that he remains faithful when we're faithless. Um, and I think, I do think I'm one of the most faithless people I know. And so that is, that is one of the biggest comforts that I have, um, in the faith. Alrighty. So my second question is, um, what has been helpful in your journey of healing? I think that's a super it's such a good question because, you know, after a funeral, people always come and they say, you know, what can I do to you, do right. for you? And right. like, 
you, even in times, you know, like with you went through with your brother, like I'm sure there are people who came up to you and were yeah. like, let me know if there's anything I can do. Right. Um, but sometimes people don't really mean it or they, you know, the things you want to do, they, they, they can't do for you or they feel uncomfortable. Right. Right. But, um, so anyway, I think the most helpful thing for me has been the people who like actually care and listen and give me yeah. a place to be honest and vulnerable and just letting me be come as I am and not just, yes. you know, what the world thinks that I should be. Because I, for the first two years after my dad passed away, and even while he was going through cancer treatments, I, I pretended that I was perfectly fine. Because yeah. I thought that's what was expected of me. Oh. And I thought that's what, you know, I was supposed to be doing. And so I struggled for so long because I was, I thought I couldn't be honest with anybody about my feelings. Yeah. And then, you know, it really wasn't until I got to college and I met basically strangers and, and right. group and D group who, <laughs> who, you know, were willing to accept my questions and accept my tears and work through things with me. Like yeah. I think of you, Fritz, like you, <laughs> <laughs> like the times of D group where we just sat there and <laughs> basically yelled at God and we're like, you know, life kind of sucks. Like it, <laughs> that was some very healing times for me. <laughs> it, it truly was. And like, that was so like helpful to me. And just the people who were letting, like, I have a couple other people too, who do like Afton Pennings. She just let me yes. cry in her arms one time. And like I didn't know her, she didn't know me. I was a little freshman, like two weeks into school. Right. And she just let me sob into her arms. And Afton is the best. Afton, I anyway. Uh, sorry. Afton, go ahead. <laughs> Afton, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> we love you, Afton. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think people who are just willing to listen and just again sit with me as I am and not judge me. People yes. who are willing to share their experiences with me and let me know that I'm not alone in my feelings. Because that's another thing, too. I thought that I was so alone. Yeah. And knowing that I didn't, that there were people who felt the same things I did was so helpful. Yes. Yes. And then just being allowed to question God. Like, I feel like yeah. growing up in the church, I was taught to not question God and not to you know, I w if I questioned anyone, I was abandoning my faith. And right. I, I thought that I, I couldn't do that. But again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, God can handle like screaming and being angry and like yeah. all those negative emotions because yes. God is God. And he's unchangeable and he loves us, even if we don't know how we feel about <laughs> him in the moment, right. you know? Right. Even... And so... Oh, go. Oh, no. I was just... I was going to say... Like Christ is the perfect example of who we are so supposed to be. And exactly. Even Christ on the cross cried out, Why have you forsaken me? And I, you know, we know that he knew the whole story. We knew that he knew why God had turned his back on him, but he still cried out in agony. And I think, um, you know, I I have this vivid memory of and I think it was maybe a week after the car accident and we were in church. And I was just kind of standing there crying and somebody texted me from across the room, smile, Jesus loves you. And it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't in a grief stage to be angry. Um, and so I wasn't angry, but I never talked to her ever again because for the next 
two years, I was too, I was too grieved. I was too grieved to smile because Christ loved me. And even though I can now, I just, I just didn't feel like I could be myself around her. I think that's, I think you, I mean, for me, you hit the nail on the head with your experience of just having people who let you come as you are. Um, I, I'm so glad that I think a lot of people I've talked to who have been through like terrible things, like agree with me on that, that we're expected to feel calm and collected and, you know, not negative about mm. anything, but like we're human and we're allowed <laughs> to experience these emotions. Like God gave us these emotions for a reason. You yes. Know? We yes. can't just be happy all the time. Amen, and, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, people were the most helpful for helpful for me. And then another thing that helped me a lot was, well, this is kind of going along with people, but like watching yes. videos of people who were talking about their own grief experiences. Mm. Um, that was also super helpful because again, when I first started processing through my grief, I wasn't in a place to talk to anybody. Right. Like I, I didn't want to. And so just, you know, even seeing that there were other people on the internet, who were like me, like on Instagram or on YouTube or stuff like that. And then listening to music also helped just having someone else put the words, mm. my feelings into words that like before I even knew what I was feeling, just like listening to songs like Reckless Love, you know, like that yeah. for me, that was super impactful because I, I felt like God didn't love me and that he abandoned me. And just mm. hearing those words like, just he leaves the 99 to find the one is just so you know like that's what I needed to hear yeah so those those things all help me and that that has to do with the people again like people sharing their experiences through words or through music is just mm. so so helpful yeah which you're doing right now um yes so I just I do have so much admiration and respect for you and I just um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any words for it, but I'm just so grateful that we met and that, uh, we had the opportunity to have those discussions because they were incredibly impactful for me. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't know to this day, like I just look back on them with gratitude. Um, so thank you for, uh, but anyway, okay. Is that, are you good for that question? Should I move yes. on to the next yeah. one? Okay. We can move on. All right. Let's see. I keep just saying these random things and then I'm like, maybe I should move. <laughs> anyway. Okay. All right. So what has been unhelpful in your journey of healing? Um, the people who text things like smile, they just will do. <laughs> like, yeah, when you which... said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so, like, they, that's the thing, people are so well-meaning. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that there was want, not even an inch of malintent in no, that text no. message. And they want to do things to help you, but the people who say things like, everything happens for a reason, mm -hmm. or God gives his hardest battle to his strongest <laughs> I'm like, I'm like... I don't That's, feel strong. <laughs> I, I don't feel strong. Exactly. Like when people say that to me, I'm like, I, I feel so weak right now. I'm not strong. Like, why did God do this? So <laughs> Amen. Like, I can't. Oh my gosh. So that's so unhelpful to me. But also I know that people 
people in times of tragedy, they tend to do things that make themselves feel better. Yes. And, and so, you know, by reaching out, like, and saying something like that, they don't know what to say. And so they just say the first thing they said they think could help. Right. But a lot of times those have the opposite effect. Um, yes. And yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing is that people who tried to be helpful, but said those dumb phrases right. that mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like, and I also hated people, the looks of pity I got just, oh. you know, people, it's such a, a human response and reaction, but I felt like walking around my small little town that people just looked at me and they knew who I was and they just, you know, felt so sad for me. Like, oh, there's that yeah. girl whose dad passed away from cancer. Oh, you know, there's her and her brothers like at Pizza Ranch. Like we need to, you know, go tell her how sorry we are for them. Yeah. And that doesn't help. Like I know, again, people think they want to make it themselves feel better. And I get that. But for me personally, that just made everything worse. You know, like I, I right. would have given anything for my dad to be back and people, you know, saying stuff like that just didn't help at all but yeah again you I can't really do anything about that because people just do what they right so right and it's it's so hard because I think yeah I agree it is a difficult difficult thing to decide what to do um which is one of the reasons I I started this podcast because I just thought I just think there are there are ways that we can help folks. And I think there are ways that we really don't help folks Yeah, <laughs> when they're uh -huh. undergoing really difficult things. And <clears throat> it might be good for people to know if they, you know, some, some people just haven't had um, an intense tragedy or some people have, and they just, they just forget. And, um, but it's, yeah, anyway. All righty. So my next question is um, if you're done with that one, Yes, yes. Okay. All right. My next question is, do you have any suggestions for people who want to help their friends who have undergone traumatic experiences or for people of the church who want to help their members who are undergoing difficult circumstances? I, before I answer this, I just want to say that I think this is a super good question because a lot oh, of times, thank you. again, people, you know, when something bad happens, they don't know what to do. You know, mm -hmm. they just kind of they want to do something, but nobody knows what. And sometimes, again, you can say the wrong thing with the best intentions. Yes. And so by helping people understand what, I mean, even though, even something that works for me might not work for everybody else either. So, yeah. but these, it's just my experience. This is, this is yeah. good. So yeah. I think the biggest thing that people can do is give them a safe space to be honest with their feelings. Again, yeah. in the church, I feel like there's such, like a stigma against being sad at funerals, even like they're like, oh, you know, we can be sad, but they're up in heaven rejo rejoicing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, I'm shut like, up. Yeah, like when people like, say that to me, I'm like, how does that help me in this situation? Like, yeah. yes, I know my dad is in heaven, but also I don't want him in heaven. Like, I yes. like I felt so selfish saying that I wanted him back here with me. Right, but, which isn't know, selfish at all. Yeah. It's. <laughs> completely natural That's exactly but I just felt so bad saying that because I said everybody is telling me that oh god is just you know loving on your dad in heaven right now and you we can be happy for him that he's in heaven and there's no more pain and suffering and I'm like I feel so grateful that my dad is no longer in pain because especially yes. the last couple months 
of his life, he, it was it, there, he was in so much pain. And so I'm like, I can be grateful for that. But also, I, I don't want to be grateful for that. You know, like, I wanted him to just be healthy and back on earth with me. Yeah. Wow. And so people, people saying that to me, I think we can add that to unhelpful in my journey of healing. Because <laughs> it made me feel selfish. And I, right. which just, there's, there's nothing selfish about grieving your father's death. I mean, there's yeah. nothing farther away from selfish. Uh, yeah. I, anyway, go I, on. Yeah. So I think just giving someone a place to be honest with how they actually feel instead of how they're supposed to feel. So just yeah. invite them over to just even cry or talk or scream or break things or just even just, just sit there <laughs> and listen. Yeah. Would just be so helpful. Like, even now as I'm still healing, like there are just people in my life who I know I can call and yeah. talk about everything that sucks right now. And they just are there to listen. And, yeah. you know, they, they say things like, I love you and stuff like that. And that they're like, just be honest with how you feel. And, you know, it's okay to feel like this. And yeah. that to me helped me more than anything else. Yeah. And also, if you let people, if you tell people that you're going to, that if there's anything they can do, let them know, you know, mm. but make sure you keep that promise. Don't right. say that. And then when they call like two weeks later, be like, oh, sorry, I'm, I can't do that anymore. Like, I don't have time for your problems. Like, I know we're all <laughs> busy, but <it's>, right. <laughs> like, I'm not saying drop everything, but you can say like, oh, I I'm not, I'm not available at the moment, but if you call me back in like 15 minutes or I can come over and like bring, you know, like wine or chocolate or like what, something like that, like I'll be there for you, you know, don't just dismiss them. Right. Um, Oh my word. Cause sometimes people, again, that's just another comfort thing that people say. And it can be so difficult to reach out, especially if you're in the church and you, you know, if you're going through hard things, it's not it's sometimes hard to talk about people who have such strong faith because you feel kind of like a failure a little bit because yeah. you don't have that strong faith. <laughs> right. Um, right. And so you don't want to reach out. And if you do reach out and get rejected, then you're probably not going to reach out again. And yeah. to me, that's what you really need to do is talk about how you're truly feeling. Yes. And so Amen. I, I needed a place like that where there was no judgment. And when I was 16, I, you know, I didn't want to talk to any adults about right. what I was going through. I none of my friends understood. Like yeah. I had my brothers, but you know, they're they're my brothers and I they didn't want to sit and talk feelings with me. They wanted right. to, you know, not do yeah. that. And so <laughs> when I was finally ready to talk about everything and process my feelings, I didn't feel like I had anyone to turn to. So then mm. but that's when I would, you know, just yell at God and God listened. And so yeah. and then I eventually, you know, found people who I can, I can talk to you, but like when I really needed it, you know, and that's another thing too. Um, people need to keep checking in with you because mm. grief doesn't go away. Yes. Like there's like the stages of grief or whatever, but it's, it's not a linear process. Like you can mm. be depressed and then angry and bargain, but then like, you know, you can think you're gone, you're done with the depression stage, but then, you know, two years later, you're back to the depression stage or you know you yeah. can feel angry all the time and hmm. you know people kind of stop checking in with you after a while 
Like, you know, because anniversaries and holidays are always so hard. Like, I'm sure, you know, whenever the date of your brother's crash comes around, like that's a hard time for your family. Yeah. And so, like, I just think about the day that my dad died and the day that he was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm also more sentimental about that kind of stuff, too. And so I tend to think about that more. And I understand that, like, you know, because just because October 7th is meaningful to me, it doesn't mean it's meaningful to anybody else. Right. But that's, I still think it's a totally valid, I 100% think it's a totally valid thing to say and to feel because it's, it's like this, this is a tragedy that affects you for the rest of your life. I mean, and it's, um, I think it's 100% valid to say that that continuation of, of friendship and of checking in and of making sure folks are, are okay is, is just so important. I think, I think you're 100% right. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> everybody likes to be told that they're right sometimes. <laughs> Oh, um, good. <laughs> you should tell me more. <laughs> I think you're right about a lot of things. Oh, good. Well, yeah. But anyway, I just feel like, you know, even if you just check in like on a random Tuesday, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, like if you're thinking about the person, just like it doesn't hurt to, you know, send a text or an email or a phone call to check in with them. Yes. It probably helps them feel more comfortable and wanting to share with you because that's what they yeah. That's what I really needed to do was share and talk about things. But that's so, yeah. So that's yeah. the number one thing that I think people can do for their friends is just be willing to be there for them, no matter what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that goes for just people in the church, too, because. Amen. People just need to know that you're there for them. Like, and I'm sure I know my mom has people who check in with her and stuff like that. And like, she has a really good supportive group. But like when I was 16, I felt like, you know, again, I didn't want to talk to anybody, let alone adults, random adults who, you know, knew my dad or whatever. Right. So I think coming up with, with like, not, I don't even know how to say this, but just just be a no judgment zone you know like yep have have those people in your church or in your community that you know you can go to and that they won't judge you for anything that Mm. you say or what you're feeling yeah amen oh you're so wise okay (laughs) (laughs) all righty my next question um what has been the most helpful thing you've done for yourself in your journey of healing for me personally I struggled with being honest with myself. Like for Mm. a long time, I just refused to admit that I was feeling these things. Like I thought that if I just pushed it all down, it would go away. But plot twist, it never went away. That's, (laughs) (laughs) that's, you know, you have to work through things. And so I, it it just made everything harder to process. And so sometimes at the beginning of my healing journey, when I, didn't know if I could say the things that I was thinking out loud, I would write letters to God and to my dad and to really anybody actually that I was angry at. I would just like (laughs) write them a letter um, because it just let me get out all my feelings and emotions and thoughts out um, before. So, and I didn't even have to say them out loud, you know, seeing them on paper felt me, made me feel better. Mm. And then 
eventually that those letters translated into me um, talking to God out loud or even in my head. Um, and it, it was mostly a one-sided conversation, but, you know, <laughs> it was a lot of me just screaming, you know, in my car and just cursing God's name and, you know, being so angry. And then I can just like picture God up in heaven, just like smiling down at me and just like taking it, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that really helped when, as soon as I was honest with myself, I could start being honest out loud with other people too. Hmm. And then, yeah. That, that is wisdom right there. Yes. Yeah. Those. And I think another thing too, I thought that if I didn't say anything to God, then he would just, you know, think that everything was fine, but obviously that's, <laughs> that's not how God works. Right. Um, and it my, does feel I, that way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but then when I would pray, I would just, you know, talk to God and those became my prayers. And I think that's mm. another thing too, that really helped me was that just letting myself, letting my prayers evolve into how I was actually feeling instead of like superficially praying, like, oh, you know, God, please protect my family. And, you know, mm. thank you for providing for me and all that kind of stuff. Like when I was able to get real with God, that, that really helped me be real for mm. myself and everybody around me. Um, and even though I didn't really expect a response from God, it just, again, let me get those feelings out. And yeah, I guess that was just the biggest thing is just, getting those feelings out, even though it was really hard to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Alrighty. Um, let's see. And we only have two questions left. Uh, do you have any advice or something you'd like to say for people going through terrible things? My biggest thing is that it gets better. Mm. It, when I, Amen. when I, when my dad first passed away, I was like, I am never going to be happy again. Like I, yeah. you know, I'm going to, always miss my dad and not that I don't miss my dad anymore because you know right. every every day I miss my dad yeah but it th there was one day where you know it wasn't my first thought or it wasn't like I could go through the day without without being super sad about it like I can be like yeah. oh I wish my dad was here because you know like yeah. when I graduated college like obviously I was like I wish my dad was here with me and I had so many people say to me, like, your dad would have been so proud of you. And instead of like breaking down sobbing when I heard that, I could smile and I could be like, yeah, my dad would be proud of me. Yeah. And hmm. that, I think that is my number one thing I'd like to say to people who have been through something really bad. Like that you think that it doesn't get better, but it does. It might take hmm. months or years, but healing is a process and it, it yeah, it does get better. Amen. And then the other thing is, don't be afraid to talk to people about your truly feeling. If mm. they're actually your friend or actually care about you, they will listen and be there for you. Yes. Like that was something that I struggled with. Um, but like I, you have to let people in in order for them to know how you truly feel. Like you can put on a face and you can pretend to be happy and people might believe it, but you know how you truly feel. And it won't get better until, at least in my experience, it, it didn't get better until I was starting to be open with how yeah. I was feeling. Amen. Oh, that is wonderful. All righty. And then our very last question, do you have any stories about how God worked through your suffering other than how he worked in my life? <laughs> yeah, that was, 
that was my biggest thing. Um, I was thinking about this question and I was that I was like, I don't, I can't think of anything specific, but then I was like, well, I remembered our conversations and I remember yeah. how, how you told me how much they impacted you. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if I, if that happened, I can't imagine like, cause I told my story at camp. I'm like, I wonder if I, if it impacted any campers or other counselors or something I'm like sure. that, you know? And like yeah. in my, in my papers, I would sometimes mention my dad or something like that. And I also remember that before my dad passed away, he did an interview with our local newspaper about how he as a pastor was dealing with this diagnosis of incurable brain cancer and that he was going to pass away. Yeah. And I have a quote that I'd like to share from him. Oh, and he yeah. Said, he said, after having a lengthy discussion with God about the topic, I came to the conclusion that if one person was able to know Jesus as their savior through how I was handling the cancer, I could be thankful and grateful for it. I've mm -hmm. chosen to live each day out of gratitude rather than regret. There are two ways in which a person can live life. They can either wake up every morning with the perspective of this is what I'm owed or look at it from their perspective of each day is a gift. And so if my dad can, you know, live out the rest of his life with the thought that if even one person yeah. can, you know, know Jesus through how I'm handling cancer, then, then it was all worth it. And I don't know if I can think of that quite like that, because I, I can't imagine... <laughs> Like, if I had cancer, I don't think I would say something like that. Yeah, like, I, I think, think your dad was a much stronger man than I, but that, that was exactly. beautiful. Thank you for, yeah. And uh, my dad, you know, talked to a lot of people about his journey with cancer, too, and just how he, he but he's right, because you have to choose how you're going to live each day. And mm -hmm. each day is a gift, you, you know, look at life differently. And so yeah. if my dad can believe that there was a purpose and a plan, like I can too. Like I know I said earlier how I hate how people say everything happens for a reason, but you kind of have to believe it, even though it's it's just one of those stupid things people say to make you feel better. Yeah. Um, but it's, you kind of have to believe it in order to to actually, you know, live your life. Get through. But it, um, yes. And so if there's even one person who's encouraged or inspired by my story and experience, then I should be grateful for that. Hmm. Like my dad impacted so many people while he was here on earth. Like I was looking back on his Facebook page because he was a big Facebook pastor. Right. And he would post things almost every day, like quotes or Bible stories or stuff like that. And people would comment on them and he impacted so many lives. And even after he passed away, like there are hundreds of people who, you know, watched his funeral or came to his funeral and like wrote words on his Facebook page and reached out to us saying how much my dad meant to them. And so mm. if I can be anything like him, then I can mm. feel good about my life. Like one of the best compliments I can get is when people say, Oh, you remind me of your dad. Like oh. I, I know I look like him, but if I can be like him with my personality and how I love others, then that's something I can be grateful for. Mm. Because my dad taught me so much about compassion and kindness and love. And if I can help others understand that they are loved the same way, then I can feel good about that. Hmm. And so that's that's kind of, I guess, how how I feel like my story has been, how God is working through my story hmm. about my suffering. And Amen. just all the opportunities that God has placed in my life 
um, that I sometimes I, I think about what my life would be like if my dad was still around. And I'm like, I, I have absolutely no idea. Like, cause that was almost yeah. six and a half years ago that he passed away. And so like, I can't imagine, you know, what my life would have been like, but then I think about, I'm like, well, maybe I wouldn't have gone to camp and then mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met all of the people there that impacted me. And I wouldn't have, you know, had all these opportunities and maybe I wouldn't have majored in social work or maybe, you know, I, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have met you and I probably wouldn't have been connected with you the way that we are, you know? Yeah. So I try to, again, like he said, like he, you can't look at life with regrets. And so I just think about everything that's happened in my life since then and all the things that God has put into my life. And I can choose to be grateful for that. Hmm. Amen. Oh, that is beautiful. I got, I got goosebumps when you were reading your dad's, your dad's quote. Good. I'm yeah. Honestly, um, you are one of the, you were just a big influence in my life and thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you for sharing your story with all these people. I absolutely know that were, there were people at, at camp that were impacted by that story. I think, I think sometimes the church can be so quiet about our hurt with God because it, it, it can look sinful. Um, and so I think when someone does speak out about it, I know it just, I know that it, it was just something that soothed my heart then and it soothes my heart now. So thank you. I, I think you're, I think you're living in the glory of God. I think you are glorifying God with your story and with your life and I, I admire and, um, and am thankful for that. I am so, I'm so glad that, you know, at least you were impacted and I, I'm, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure other people can be too, but, um, as my, one of my friends from camp said, like, she's like, Abby, I see Jesus in you. I Mm. see you are on fire for the Lord. I see the way that you, you know, shine your light for God. And that is something that, I, I'm like, well, that's what I try to do. Like, I try to be so strong because I know what it feels like to not be strong. Hmm. And I want other people to know that, you know, even though it's okay to not be strong, but like, yeah. I, yeah, I just hope that people can, can love Jesus like I do. And, yeah, you know, and then also, I forgot to say this earlier too. Yes. Um, my, my dad always said, God delights in you. And that hmm. is something that I, I, the word delight means so much more than just like love or light. Mm-hmm. Like it, to me, it just means that I can just walk through my life and no matter what I'm doing, God delights in me. God loves mm. me. He even likes me on the days that <laughs> I don't like myself. <laughs> and so I just want everybody who's listening to this podcast to know that God delights in them, even if mm. they don't feel like it. And that's something that, again, my dad said, and that I am starting to to now say too. And so God delights in you, Fritz. I just Oh, <laughs> thank you, Abby. <sighs> All righty. Well, I think that probably concludes our first episode. Thank, thank you to everyone who listened. Um, Abby, thank you again. Um, I just, your stories is one of my favorites and it's one that I tell to anyone who I talk to suffering about. And, um, anyway, I just, I really appreciate you coming on. And even though I kind of bumbled through as the host, I feel like I'll get better next time. (laughs) 
it, it was great, Fred. It was, thank you so much for having me. I'm very glad that I could be your first guest and that we can go through this together. And, you know, I'm glad I'm, your, I'm glad to be your guinea pig. That's all. Mm. Well, thank you. You made a marvelous guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's that's the dream right there. <laughs> okay. All righty, folks. Well, thanks for listening. Um, I will try. I'll do my next episode next Saturday as well. So if you want to look that up, um, I'm going to be talking to Hope Scop, uh, which I'm very excited about. All righty. Thanks. Bye.